Hello, this is Grace Applewhite and Emma Wynn. This is the first episode of the podcast. Um, we are going to be talking about today, um, essentially a true crime. We're going to be talking about three main cases and we might dabble into a couple of the smaller cases that I've covered. This is based on an essay that I wrote for my mindful writer class as a part of the curriculum here at Speedbriar College. Um, so we're just going to be all over the place discussing some of the most notable cases in crime and specifically um, criminal uh, law um, and the history of that. Um, this is a comedic podcast, um, PG-13. There may be use of profanity, um, so if you're sensitive to that, um, turn this off. Um, but yeah, we'll just started. Woo woo! Woo woo! <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Um, did you read my essay? No, I do not, and I have no idea what we're talking about today. <laughs> that so. was, that's what makes it incredible. Um, I think you know these cases, though, because they're pretty, like, widely known, and if you have any questions, I can answer them. Yeah, we'll uh, see. So the first case that I discussed, um, and that we will be discussing is the case of Charles Manson. Ah, sounds familiar. <laughs> sounds very familiar. Um... He kind of led this small cult that, it, like, you might have heard of it before, called the Manson Family. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, God. Hold on. For anybody who doesn't know, we call our sweet, our little sweet people the family. And we live in Manson. Yes. So. There may be a slight connection. <laughs> we're um, not entirely sure. We're not entirely sure. Um. Luckily, our dynamic isn't as bad as the Manson family cult. I hope not. Um, which one of us would be Charles? Can I be Charles? Oh, you can be Charles. Oh, okay. Ooh. Um, does that... <laughs> I have to cut that part out. <laughs> does that mean I'm Leslie Van Hoon? Yes. Spicy. <laughs> Luckily, Charles had many wives, so we don't have to worry oh, about that no. front. <laughs> Um, so basically, um, the reason why we know the Manson family is because they murdered, um, Sharon Tate, uh -huh. who was, un who was pregnant, and unfortunately her and her baby did not survive. Um, I mean, if you look at any of the crime photos, it's, it's, like, brutal. Like, complete and utter overkill. And then they also killed the La, La Bianca family, I think is how you pronounce it. Um. Basically, this couple that had nothing to do with anything that the Mansons were talking about. Because their whole theology was basically that uh, a race war was coming. And so they were going to kill the Tates. And then they were going to kill the La Bianca family and make it seem as though um, black people killed them. So it would, like, basically start the inevitable race war, which... Oh. It, it, gross um but basically like they ended up obviously getting caught they were not smart their fingerprints and everything were all over the fucking scene um and so Charles Manson and Leslie Van Houten were originally represented together Leslie Van Houten is one of the many women that were a part of Charles Manson's cult he just basically selected um 
brunette girls with middle parts um, <laughs> and was like, that's my type. I want her. I need to go dye my hair again. Be right back. <laughs> Be right back. <laughs> Question. Um, I am very uneducated about this case, but I have seen the movie Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah, that's based off of this case. Yes. Was she married to a famous actress? Actor? Yeah, and, she was. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, so that was real. Yeah, he survived. Okay. But so, she died. Okay. okay. R.I.P. I just wanted to Yeah. because that, that's yeah. all I really know about it. It's fine. I mean, like, we... <laughs> The case is pretty, like, there's there's a bunch of facts to it, but not anything that, like, we really need to cover here. Like, the big things is, like, he ran a cult, he killed these people, he tried to start a race war. He was also, like, um, which was one of my quotes in the essay, uh, which was best said by Jack Ruley, and there's a podcast I watch called Murder with Friends, um... And he said that the goal of Charles Manson was fame and accolade and claim. It wasn't murder. Like, for Charles Manson, like, murder was just the way to get to fame, accolade, and claim. So, the funny thing is, Charles Manson was actually a musician. He tried to be a part of the Beach Boys. I'm gonna take a wild guess and say that didn't really work out for him. Uh, no, 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 no. Not at all. Um... (laughs) It's actually funny because, like, some of Charles Manson's songs did hit, oddly enough. I um, hate that sound. <laughs> but the sound, but the songs hit. Yeah, do you think there's just anybody out there just jamming to some Manson tunes? Do you want me to play one of his songs? Uh, uh, um... I'll just play the chorus of one of his songs. (laughs) You just already, it's on your Spotify. It's on my Spotify. (laughs) It's already pulled Um, up. (laughs) He's one of my favorite artists. Um, (laughs) Disclaimer, he's not actually my favorite favorite artist. But one of the, uh, after the the case and trial, the Beach Boys actually released a song that sounds eerily alike one of Charles Manson's songs. Copyright. Copyright. Charles really should have got, went for it. He um, should have gotten that that bread. <laughs> that bread. Um, this song is called uh, "Get Your Game, Girl." <laughs> no, it's "Look at Your Game, Girl." Ah, uh, okay. I Hold was on. gonna say that sounds a little dumb, but then it, it got better. There's a time for the love. <laughs> the time Emma's so making a face of just your confusion and also huh? <laughs> do you think he is in his garage oh yeah it has a garage fan sound yeah <laughs> he's never do that again I did a little dance <laughs> a little jig a little jig but yeah like his sound wasn't awful, but I don't know why he was like, I'm giving up on me. I mean, like, I get why he gave up on music, but also... For murder. He went from zero to a hundred real quick. He was like, the music industry is not working out. Time to go kill some bitches. <laughs> like... <laughs> Love that We know. We've seen that also in history. Oh. oh this creative artistic path didn't really work out for me. I guess I'm gonna kill a bunch of people. Cough, cough, Adolf Hitler. Yes. Um, but yeah, so basically the the reason why we spend so much time discussing 
Charles Manson when it comes to criminal history is that um, it's one of the first cases that was extremely sensationalized. So it was one of, it wasn't televised because like television wasn't really popular at this time. This is like the 1960s, early 1970s. Um, and so, um, but he was recorded, like there are audio tapes of Charles like talking mm -hmm. during court. And also there's a lot of court artist like renderings of what happened in trial. Mm -hmm. um, it was one of the biggest ones where the, like the media sort of came out in droves to like um, see the case. Yeah, and I'm sure it didn't help that Sharon Tate was a yeah. big- Was a celebrity. Yeah. Because, she, so right off the get-go of the case, this is immediately in the perception of the general American population. Like, it, it just sort of set the stage with Charles Manson's personality, and then the killing of Sharon Tate, and then sort of the goals of the Manson family. It sort of set it up for disaster. Mm -hmm. um, so Charles Manson and Leslie Van Houten, who is one of his many accomplices, but she was the one who actually murdered Sharon Tate. The big thing is Charles Manson never physically killed anyone, but he orchestrated the entire murders so that's why like he's sort of that's why he ended up going to jail because he he manipulated these women into oh, basically doing yeah. everything for him um they were originally represented together by an attorney named ronald hughes um hughes ended up later dropping manson as a client um because leslie van hooten decided to basically there were two defenses in this case so Leslie Van Houten was her own defense, and then Charles Manson was his own defense. And so basically the goal of Van Houten and Hughes was to basically be like, this girl was manipulated and coerced into killing this woman. It's all his fault. And then by like pushing Charles Manson under the bus that she would get off scot-free, which didn't end up happening. Like she still ended up spending some time, but she didn't get as bad as Charles did. Um, sus to me, I don't know. It is kind of sus. Mm -hmm. Like, it's a little weird. Uh, it's a little weird. Um, and it, it like absolutely terrified people. Like this, like the stuff that these two did. Um, the state, the reason why the state or the prosecution did so well is because they presented like tons of witnesses on the stand to basically like shoot down everything that Van Houten and Manson was saying. Um, however, its primary witness was Linda Casabian, uh, who was present during the Tate murders. Um, she was... I think she's a member of the Manson family. If I'm not correct, I'll correct myself later. Um, and she provided, like, when I say graphic, like, graphic, graphic details of, like, exactly what happened. Um, what she observed from outside the house, which was critical to the case, but did not help when it came to, like, the over like, sensitive sensationalism yeah. um, of the case. She was also present in the car with Manson um, during the LaBianca killings, which also aided in the prosecution's case. Um, Charles also 
is notorious for having outbursts on the stand and going crazy. Like he tried to stab someone with a pencil on the stand. I mean, go off, I guess, but not a great way to persuade the jury in your favor. I don't know if I'm getting, if I'm on trial for murder, if try if attempting to stab someone is really the best route to go down. Right. I don't know personally for me if I would do that, mm -hmm. but I mean, you do you. Right, exactly. Um, the state of California ended up resting its case after presenting 22 weeks worth oh. of evidence. That's how long the prosecution's case took to present. Mm. Crazy. It's uh, weird that it takes that long. Like, yeah. Yes. And the prosecution goes first, by the way. And then the defense had no witnesses to present. They went after 22 weeks, like two dozen witnesses. And they were like, we're good. We're not going to present anything. To like defend him. To defend or Manson or Van Hooten. Mm -hmm. They had nothing. Oh, that's not a good sign. That's not a good sign. <laughs> so obviously they were found guilty. Yes. But like this was the very first instance of like huge hyper sensationalism of criminal trials, which didn't help when like not right after, but pretty soon after. Um, a man we know we do not love, um, Ted Bundy, Ooh. ended up coming around. Zac Efron. <laughs> Everyone, it's your fave, Zac Efron. Um, Ted Bundy was super interesting in that it continued the trend of hypersensationalism of criminal trials, specifically in homicide cases. Um, and it didn't help because like Charles Manson, Ted Bundy, the most important thing to Ted Bundy was his claim to fame and his personality. Mm -hmm. And with that, his reputation. Do you know anything about the Bundy case? I do. I think it's really interesting. Really? I can tell you like all of these facts and mm -hmm. blah, 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 blah. But I have seen a couple movies and I did see that Netflix documentary that came yeah. out. That one was really good. And I love how like his whole thing is he's a handsome, charming dude. Yeah. Like, that's how he was able to murder all of these people and yeah. get away with it. Like, homie got pulled over with, a, like, a dead body in yeah. his backseat. Like, how do you get away with that shit? Sorry, excuse my language. But for real. Like, yeah. And then, I think that was really crazy. So, I... Would I get into Ted Bundy's car? Probably not, but you, you The thing is, you say you wouldn't, <laughs> but if you were, because like no one knew it was mm -hmm. him yeah. because he was too handsome. He was too charming. He seemed way too nice of a guy. He had a girlfriend and a, a kid that he was taking yes. care of. He was like, like well put together. He was a well put together man. Like no one would have expected up until trial that he was guilty of these horrendous crimes. So I would like to think I wouldn't get into Ted Bundy's car, but realistically... If it was Zac Efron, it, maybe. <laughs> have you seen the images of Ted Bundy? Yeah. I mean, he, from, for the 1970s, not a bad yeah. looking dude. Yeah. Um, and he like escaped. Yeah! Like he escaped no, I trial. Was, I was like the craziest I was, thing. Like during trial. Yeah. Because he represented himself was uh -huh. the big thing. <laughs> that was hilarious. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> Homie took like basically, you know how I'm I am a theater major pre-law, emphasis on pre-law. 
he basically has the same amount of education as me. He took well, like <laughs> one semester of law school and was like, I can represent myself in my homicide trial. Do you think you could realistically represent yourself? Could I realistically represent myself? Yes. Would I do it? No. Yeah. I think. Oh, go ahead. I think I have enough knowledge to represent myself if I had to, but I wouldn't be the best at it. I would want somebody to represent me. Wasn't he doing kind of good with just how charming he was? Yeah, that was the terrifying thing. His first trial, he was doing really good. Yeah. Which was, it's terrifying to think of. He was able to talk himself out of anything. And that's why he was able to escape for the first time. Like just let him sit there. Yeah, because he was himself. representing himself. He was he didn't have to get chained or anything because he was able to talk himself out of everything. And because he was representing himself, he was able to just, like say to the judge, like, hey, I need to go research something for my case. Can I be let into the library so I can go look at a book? Mm. And then they let him into the library by himself, uncuffed. Mm. Yeah. And he climbs out of the second story window and escapes. And then when he was in jail, when he was captured after the Kai Omega murders, which were horrific and brutal, um, he escaped out of prison. He did? Yeah. I remember reading that somewhere. Yeah, he had chiseled himself out. Yes. And he was able to get into the warden's office, get a clean pair of clothes, and just walk out. Honestly... Murder, bad. But I respect it. Like, at that point, if you're able to escape custody twice and just talk yourself out of anything, honestly, go off, I guess. I... But I'm glad he's in prison. Isn't he dead? Yeah, he's dead. He, um, he was... I think he received lethal injection. And what was with that, like, crazy lady who, like, was in love with him? What was that whole mess? Oh, yeah. So, basically... I think I know what you're talking about. There was a lady on the jury who ended up falling in love with him and he got married to her. Ugh. Yeah, he can... It, it's, it's a lot. That whole thing is just a mess, but I love it. Yeah. So what's really interesting is one of his... So first time around, he defended himself. Second time around, he wanted to continue to, to defend himself but the state was like, hey, um, not the best idea, idea, considering the last time what happened. So they, he ended up allowing himself to have a defense team. So basically he had a bunch of consultants on his case, but he continued to represent himself. Hypothetical. So since he was doing so well the first time, yeah. What do you think would have happened if he kept representing himself and he didn't escape the first time? Honestly? I think had he not escaped and like, because that completely screwed him over because he escaped, then he um, committed the Kai Omega murders, which placed him, like he was identified. Like there was no way he was getting out of that one. And then he escaped out of jail again. And then all of that, had he not done all of that, had he just sat and waited and like stayed through with the trial, I think he could have gotten off. Really? I really think. Like, I think it would have been, like, very difficult, but I think with his skill and his charm, like, people were wanting to believe him. Had he not done all of that stuff, he could have gotten off. I think he would have probably gotten 
maybe sometime for yeah. something. You're right. But I don't think he would have gotten the death penalty. And I, I don't, don't think, think he would have been in jail for life. Yeah. I I think he probably would have been up for probation. Yeah. Which is scary to think. Mm-hmm. Um, but basically at the Kai Omega murder trial, which was the second one, mm-hmm. he ended up having a defense team that was essentially his consultants. One of them ended up, Polly Nelson, ended up later writing a book Ooh. about the trial. It's really, really interesting. I definitely recommend reading it if you're into true crime and into the Bundy trial. But she was on his defense team and she said that Ted Bundy sabotaged the entire defense effort out of spite, distrust, and grandiose delusion. She also later wrote, Ted was facing murder charges, murder charges with a possible death sentence, and all that mattered to him apparently was that he be in charge. Hmm. Which, he just, oh. yeah, it's, what were you going to say? He just has like a power complex. Exactly. Dude just needs to be in charge of everything, and that's just screwing him over. Right. And that's the reason why, like, we know so much, yet we know so little about Bundy, was that, like, he would share stories and explicit details about some things, and then complete, and then keep other things completely to his chest. Mm -hmm. Like, there's one murder that was completely out of character for him, which was the murder of a young girl, a minor. Um, very, very sad. And he, we know no details about the murder because he wouldn't tell us anything. Hmm. It's very, very interesting. Because he did record a lot of tapes, right? Yes. And the thing about Bundy was he was the first case where he was televised and streamed right into people's homes. Mm -hmm. Which is very interesting when you're looking into the psychology of like murderers and everything. Because you can hear Ted Bundy's voice. Like he's talking directly to you the entire time. That makes me uncomfy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so basically, like, with Charles Manson and Ted Bundy, Ted Bundy, <laughs> Ted Bundy, like, those two set us up for, like, huge, like, you know what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Um, <laughs> of all these cases. And then it made us get closer to the criminals themselves, which we didn't really see before. Which, there's a lot of debate on whether we should engage in, uh, like, as much time as we do into homicide cases because of, like, the effects that it can have. Because it glorifies the murderer and the murderer, and it doesn't devote as much attention to the victims. Um, But a case where this, like, sort of changed was the trial of Casey Anthony. Do you know anything about this case? I think he was mentioned in the 1984 American Horror Story season. But besides that, I'm not entirely sure. Casey Anthony actually happened in 2008. Oh, well then I have no idea what you're talking about. You probably have heard about it before, but you probably don't remember it. Probably. Because the interesting thing with Casey Anthony is she never spoke on the stand. It was a woman? It was a woman. Oh, okay. I definitely have no idea what you're so, talking about. So, <laughs> I'm going to run you down basically the case of what happened, and then you might remember it. Um, I think this is one people our generation like know about, but don't know a lot about. So, Casey Anthony, she was a mother. She was a young mother. She was a teen mom. She had a daughter named Kaylee Anthony. Hmm. 
Um, basically what had happened is Casey was a party girl. Um, she liked her parties, she liked her clubbing, um, and she had lived with her parents for the longest time and her parents loved Kaylee, her daughter. Um, and they, they were, um, her, Casey Anthony's mom, like, loved Kaylee Anthony as her own, like, very, very devoted grandmother to Kaylee. Um, basically what happened, Casey Anthony moved out of the house, she took custody of Kaylee Anthony, um, and then was, like, gone for months. And Kaylee Anthony disappeared and was gone. Like, the grandparents hadn't seen her in, like, three months or something. Gone for a very long time. They end up finding out that um, Casey Anthony's car was going to get repoed. And it was found in a parking lot of a club. Very, very interesting. And then... um, Basically, what had happened was, if you can find the the police tapes online, but the mother, the grandmother called, and was like, um, "I would like to," re- I I don't even know what the first call was. It was something about her daughter, Kay- uh, Casey, and then the second call was, "We've gotten the car back. It smells awful. It said, smells like a dead body's been in here." And then the third call, she's like, I'd like to report a missing person. My granddaughter, Kaylee Anthony, has been missing for three months. Oh. And it's like very eerie. One, the detail about the, it smelling like a dead body has been in the car and then the missing of her granddaughter for that many months. It's a very, like, it's terrifying and, um, Casey Anthony like showed no remorse but she also did not speak to anybody did they find the body they did end up finding the body okay. um it was in a trash bag and her there was duct tape over her mouth oh. and she was so decomposed that they couldn't identify like what exactly had happened to her oh. it's very tragic and very sad she was like a toddler yeah yeah very 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 sad um but um Casey Anthony um, and Kaylee, this is the case where there's so much more time spent on remembering the life of the victim. Like people, like so many magazines did so many spreads on Kaylee Anthony and like just trying to like spread awareness and like talk about, but it was also like what, like I've said before, the media was on it. They were like, we want to talk about this case. Case? Wow. Case. Um, (laughs) And so it was also televised, our favorite. (laughs) But the very interesting thing about this case is, so Casey Anthony was represented by a man named Jose Baez, who was a criminal defender new to the Florida bar. Complete like underdog. Like no one had any expectations for this man. He ends up coming up with a defense completely like out of out of left field. He says that Casey Anthony is a remorseful but neglectful mother. Basically what happened was she was at her boyfriend's house. Um, she had looked away for a second. Kaylee Anthony loved swimming. She was an avid swimmer. She was such a lovely and fun girl. She was playing in the pool and she drowned when Casey Anthony looked away. 
So basically he had posed it as this was an accident and the prosecution was not prepared for this at all. He also came up with the defense that the reason why Casey did not talk to her parents about this was that her father sexually abused her when she was younger, which the prosecution had no way to defend Casey Anthony's father from this because they weren't expecting that defense. Yeah. So the reason why like Jose Baez, like off like I don't, I don't want to say an awful man, but I personally am not a huge fan of like defense lawyers and defense. Um, but he still mad props to him for like being able to pull this case like out of thin air. So at that point when you can't get anything from the body, sadly, you can just like say whatever and just yeah. hope they believe you. Yeah. So homie was just able to get this whole like script and do whatever he yeah. wanted. And that's the thing is he was ex like Ted Bundy, extremely charming. And like, even though there was very, very little physical evidence, he was able to come up with a reason for everything. Huh. Yeah. That, I don't like that. Yeah. I, why, like, where was she found, Kaylee? I think she was found on the side of a road. Okay. Okay, so the story is... Uh, she was be neglecting her toddler. Mm -hmm. Toddler drowns, puts her in a trash bag, and keeps her in her car for months? Is that no. what we're going with? No. Or Basically, his his whole thing was that uh, Casey Anthony uh, neglect, toddler drowns. Casey Anthony was looking away for a second. She looks back. Her toddler's dead. In a moment of grief and shock, she doesn't know what to do. She doesn't how know how to report it. So she wraps up the body, everything, um, goes to dispose of it, which is very sketchy. Yes. And then doesn't tell anybody because she's so grief-ridden. I, I don't believe that. I don't, I don't believe, believe that. I you're so ridden with guilt that you, you just let your toddler die yeah. that you just don't do anything about yeah, it. Yeah, he was able, Jose Baez was able to drop arguments and claims that were carefully crafted and like extremely hard to tear apart. Starting in his opening statement, which was little to say, like jaw dropping. Like if you have the opportunity, go and watch it. It is terrifying. And then Jose Baez paints this picture of a young, ignorant mother who was grieving the accidental loss of her daughter, which was a complete 180 turn from what the representation that the prosecution and then the media had painted throughout the entire disappearance and trial. And then Casey Anthony doesn't even go on the stand. We didn't hear from her at all? Uh-uh. Which you are allowed to legally, um, you, it's, um, basically it's in the, um, like in a defendant's right, they don't have to like be a witness to themselves. Um, but typically people do so they can defend themselves. Um, uh, also for my favorite podcast, Murder with Friends, Grace Baldridge had said, um, like this is what Jose Baez does very well. It, this is where the defense goes right. He pretends he presents an entirely new story that now the prosecution is sort of on their heels because they weren't prepared for that outlandish accusation. The prosecution also didn't have a lot of help because there was not a lot of physical evidence because the delay of time of finding the body. So what 
What's the deal with the car? Did the they thing, just get rid of that whole thing? The or? thing is, I don't exactly remember why, but the grandmother, like, completely switched sides. Yeah. Uh, Emma's making a face uh, of pure confusion right now. So the granddaughter that she loves dies and is found three months later in a trash bag. Um, and she's just like, okay. Well, it's also... The one thing I can see is because it's her daughter that is the defendant, but that's still very hard to believe that she was willing to... I refuse to believe anybody that loves their grandchild that much is going to stick with... Right. In this circum... In these circumstances is going right. to do that. Unless there had to have been something. I refuse to believe that's all there is because this is very sketchy to me. Yeah. Yeah, it's... It blows my absolute mind. What happened? Like the whole case? Yeah. I think... Hold on. I'm going to Google this. Casey Anthony... Because I'm hoping this homie's in jail. Trial. Is how I'd like this to end. But... Fast facts. Thank you, CNN. <laughs> um... Oh, yeah. She was charged with first-degree murder in October of... 2008. 2008. Um, yeah. In July, uh, seven, July 17th of 2008, officers search Anthony's car and a cadaver dog picks up the scent of human de decomposition in her car. Okay. So she had to have been in the car for a long yeah. time. Yeah. It's awful. Oh, that's so disturbing to think that... So, wait, was that her boyfriend's car? Or was that her car? That was her car. That... It was technically her parents' car, but she was using it as her car. The fact that her... Ugh, I just... Thinking about that, that her child had to have been there for such a long time. And you want to know what's sad? What? Is she was found not guilty. But she was... Uh, she was found not guilty of first-degree murdered aggravated child abuse and aggravated manslaughter of a child, but she was found guilty of four misdemeanor courts of, of providing false information to law enforcement. So which means she's, she was sentenced to four years in jail. So she's free currently. Yep. And, and Ju on July 17th of 2011, Anthony is released from jail. That's ridiculous. Yep. That I just... How? How? Is it... Because, like, as an outsider looking in, obviously, the thing is with the jury is they're the people that couldn't figure out to get out, how to get out of jury duty is the way that my, um, my attorney coach puts it. But, like, still, like... Everything's right there. Everything's right there. It's literally open and shut. Yeah. I mean, either way, her daughter's dead because of her. And either way, she covered it up for months. So there's no getting around those two big points. No matter what else happened, that is what we know. Yeah. You want to talk about another crazy case yes, of- um, kind of. Kind of. <laughs> I, I touched on it a little bit of 
like in here, but um, one that's very similar to the Casey Anthony case. Have you ever heard of the story of Diane Downs? No. Okay. So Diane Downs is basically short summary of the case. She was a mother who attempted to kill her three children in the middle of an in the middle of the night on an abandoned road before bringing them to the hospital and staging it as an assault on her and her children. In order to get with the mailman she was in love with. Huh? Well, no. Okay, <laughs> I feel like we skipped a few steps. Okay, so <laughs> homie attempts to murder her three children. Mm-hmm. Doesn't work? She... So basically what's hap- what happens is she drives out into the middle of this abandoned road in the middle of the night. She claims that she's coming home from something. Um, a man come up comes up to her car um like demands something from her and she's like i rolled my windows down because i thought he was in trouble you don't do that no, lady not with your three children not with, yeah so she rolls her window down he demands something from her she's like no and she like raises her arm up in defense he shoots her arm which basically doesn't make sense at all it, it, it's so obvious that she had shot herself yeah Unless you're a stormtrooper, you're not going to miss that much, is right. what I'm saying. Yeah. And then um, shoots into the back of the car and leaves one of her children. One of her children ends up dying. One of them becomes paralyzed, and then the other one is completely fine. That's the favorite. That. I'm sorry. Oh I'm God. so sorry I should have said that. Um, that is the Basically, what she had said was. When questioned about the events that occurred, Downs explained the story of a man who flagged her down on the side of a dirt road while her three children were sleeping in the back seat. He demanded her car. She refused. He shot her children. After getting away, she fled to the emergency room, which took her 50 minutes to get there. That's not fleeing. During the struggle with the shaggy-haired man, she also obtained a shot in her left arm, but it was not life-threatening. This is all according to crimemuseum.org, which is a very interesting deep dive. When was this? This was... Um, I want to say that this is the 90s, because she made an appearance on Oprah. Oh, okay, so 90s. Yeah. Very interesting, because she basically had given this whole story of like, I'm a poor mother, and my one of my children's dead. And, like, basically this grieving mother who had been in this terrible accident. And, but the thing that wasn't right was that she was faking emotions, but not very good at it. Mm. She would be, like, they were doing an interview with her about what happened, like, in her car and everything. Uh And she had a cast and she was like, ah, just hit my cast. And, like, laughing as she's discussing the night that one of her children was murdered. Huh. So did they think something was sketchy from the beginning, or was it like a later thing? After It was sort of like little things after time. Mm -hmm. Like, it just wasn't consistent. And like, she showed up for any opportunity that the media could get to talk to her. She was there. Mm -hmm. It was like all in it for the fame. Uh So did she ever go on trial? She went on trial. Um, very interesting. Farrah Fawcett played her in a movie? Huh. Very interesting. Um, 
one of the weird details about it was, you know the song, um, oh my god, I'm forgetting, Hungry Like a Wolf? Yes. That was supposedly the song that was playing in the car oh. as the murder happened. They played it in court to sort of set the scene, and she was tapping along to the song and like jamming out. Okay. Oh, we. Yeah. Yeah. I know you deal with grief in different ways. Her children yeah. testified against her. Really? Oh. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. so how old were the children? Do you know? Um. How old are Diane Downs' children? Because if my mother tried to kill me right now and said that it was some crazy person that, like, pulled us over, I would be like, uh, well, I actually, that is incorrect. Um, shootings. She, her, um, Cheryl, her seven-year-old child, was died. Danny, who was three years old, was paralyzed from the waist down. But the, the, by the time the trial came around i believe he was able to testify um and christy who was age eight had suffered from a stroke which disabled her but she was still conscious enough to testify at trial oh, God. Uh, those poor children those poor poor kids um yeah and then interesting enough during the trials i think it was during the trials because her kids had been taken away from her when they found out that she was possibly responsible for yeah. the murder of one of her children. Obviously. Obviously. She just decided to get pregnant again. So she got pregnant oh, no. during the trial and had a baby in prison. The baby was luckily taken away from her. Good. Okay. But she got in contact with this kid and was basically like they're conspiring against me and like basically trying to convince her child that everything's all wrong that she was not who did this and she held that until um she's continued to hold that at her she had a parole hearing in 2008 and she said over the years i have told you and the rest of the world that a man shot me and my children i have never changed my story she held that. She continues to hold that. She's still in prison? Still yes. alive? Okay. Yeah. I think she has another parole hearing coming up this year. Oh, great. Great. Very great. Just what we need. Yeah. Uh, let's just uh, add on to 2020. Let's just let murderers out of prison. Just, you know, as one does. That's, um... I didn't cover her in my essay, but you know who might be getting out? Who? Um, Gypsy Rose Blanchard. Oh, no. Yeah. Okay. I think she's set for release. Oh, okay. Yeah. Very interesting. Yeah. Her case is a little bit different. It is, though. Because yeah. she was a victim of heinous abuse. Ugh. That, I, did you see the Hulu? Yeah, I did. Oh. Ugh. Yeah, murder's never good. Murder's but never that, good. That girl went through yeah. a shitstorm. Yeah. Even with her case, there's some stuff that, like, I'm like, okay, <laughs> all right, then. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, cases that blow my mind, I talked about her a little bit. There was a case um, in 2013. Um, Jody Arias. She had murdered... Her Mormon boyfriend, Travis Alexander, um, 
she murdered him in 2008, um, but the trial happened in 2013. Um, it takes a while for these cases to get prosecuted because there's a whole crap ton of evidence when you're dealing yeah. with homicide cases. Um, Arius was interrogated after she was arrested, and she changed her story like eight times. Oh. Consistency was not her friend. <laughs> uh, I don't think she should write a book. I think I she is working on one. She, oh. she has a page. She's in prison. But she has a page where you can buy her art and her glasses that she wore on trial. Uh, uh. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I mean, Ooh. get that... Get that coin. Get but that is coin. that the best way? No. I've never been in prison because of murder, but I feel like I I don't know. Yeah, I I don't think it's something I ever <laughs> want to do. I ever anticipate doing. Check out her Etsy shop later. Yeah. Link in bio. Link. <laughs> um it'll be in the description of this um podcast. But yeah. Um yeah, and basically what the prosecutor, like, the police officer told the media that no matter how much evidence he would tell her about, he would, she was not going to admit that she was even there. When, at one point she had claimed that ninjas had killed her boyfriend. I shouldn't be laughing. That's terrible. That's I... so terrible. So, lesson here is, um, if you ever get convicted of murder, um... Don't represent yourself. Well, I mean, don't, do just don't escape prison. Court. Yeah, um, don't don't represent yourself. But if you do, don't escape court. Um, don't try to stab somebody with a pencil. Mm-mm. Not a great idea. Yeah. Um, don't laugh when talking about your dead children. Yeah. Um, there's so much going on with the Anthony case. Um, and then don't claim your boyfriend was murdered by ninjas and then change your story like nine times i personally like the ninja story the best (laughs) out of all of them yes out of all of them the ninjas that really highlights yeah what is it with people and their weird obsession with murders like i get it i also watched yeah ted bundy all of that stuff that came out in like two years homie had a big year yeah homie did like You got a movie and, like, a mini, mini dog? Yeah. I mean, he's pretty notorious. Yeah. Sadly. There's a bunch of messed up murders. Yeah. Yeah. But, yay! (laughs) Um, so, if you want to check out the essay that I wrote about all of these cases and a couple more, I will have it linked. Um, it has a bunch of different, like, quotes from people, and I have discussed some cases from my local area of Conway, Arkansas, about a case that happened in, um, some time ago, um, by an, uh, who, and the prosecuting attorney, Carol Cruz, and the wonderful work that she did in that case. Um, what? What were you gonna say? No, no, no. Okay. Um, and I think with that, uh-huh. we are going to end this. Any final remarks you would like to say? Hug your family. Don't blame it on ninjas. Yeah. Tell your family you love them and be safe. Yeah. Um, if you are going to kill your boyfriend, which I don't recommend, Mm-mm. don't blame it on ninjas. 
Um, and I hope that you have a happy and healthy week. Um, stay safe, wear your mask, and um, we will talk to you later. Bye. Bye.